This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, our dude Jamie Rivers. Uh, Jamie, so we very rarely get any sort of true complaints about the podcast. All right. It's it's honestly, man, it's pretty rad to, to do because the feedback is always very positive. The one thing that I have heard, no, 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 and this is like something that we can fix, so it's no big deal, is that sometimes people have trouble hearing you, and we record, and just to let everybody know, we normally record in the Point Studio. Yeah. I don't have the opportunity to adjust your volume when we record in there. So today, we've moved into a production studio with the hopes of making sure that everybody can hear uh, all of Jamie word, uh, Jamie uh, Rivers' words of wisdom. Well, Donnie, what happens if uh, it doesn't work? <laughs> I still think you're going to be fine Damn better it. in this room than, than, than the other one, man. Yeah. I want you to turn just flip the bird at me. Right, right. Thank you very much, though, for trying to always make it difficult for me. I do appreciate that, man. So how's it going, dude? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. The station stuck with me for another two years, so... That was nice to get that out of the way. Signed a new two-year deal yeah. with Hubbard Radio 101 ESPN. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the show, the fast lane, continues to evolve. And I almost feel like we're at, for, you know, for reference point, I feel like the fast lane's kind of like the Howard Stern show back in the day right now. Because Anthony and I are the mainstays. Okay. And with Marshy on the board. Mm-hmm. And we've got just a rotating cast of people now. Like we have Michelle Smallman who drops in, Danny Mack is back, you know, doing radio stuff, which is great. BT drops in, Matt yeah. Holiday drops in. It's like we've got our own little whack pack type thing, right? But the thing about your whack pack is, is that it's immensely, immensely talented. Oh no, they're <laughs> like, awesome. Like, like that's, I mean, that, they're awesome. And, and but I also all... feel like it keeps it fresh too. Like if you're listening to the the, the show every single day. Yeah. Maybe you get tired of Anthony and I. You know, who knows? It's possible. Maybe you do. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Trust right. me. I get tired of myself. My kids get tired of me too. They're like, Dad, I can't hear you talk anymore. I'm like, guys, don't worry about it. But we do have we bring in new voices, which is always kind of interesting for people. So I'm excited about all this, man. Yeah, I I love and and I'd say a. We talked about your work with Fox, or I'm sorry, with Bally's last week, but man, that that team that you guys have over at 101 right now, man, is real, real strong. It's a strong lineup. And it's a lot of people, man, that like, I really respect their opinion uh, in, in sports in general, but then, you know, it seems like all you guys kind of have a little bit of an area of expertise. Yeah. And so that's really something else, too. And I got to tell you, I'm so geeked that Kerry Davis is a part of the morning show because he's a, uh, and I don't know if you know this, but he's a, obviously. He's, well, I know you know that he's the head football coach at Hazelwood Central, yeah. but he also graduated from Hazelwood Central, which, yes, was, which was my high school as oh, well. Now that I didn't. Know. Yeah, man. So he graduated. He was a Hawk four years after after I graduated. And so, you know, man, just that kind of thing. He's just a great guy on top of it. Man. No, he's awesome. You know, Kerry's finding his way in this crazy radio world. And I can tell you, it takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while to kind of find your way and to get used to all sports. Like Kerry Davis can talk football until you know the sun goes down it's awesome but learning the nuances of baseball learning the terminology and the strategies of hockey and like all these other things man it can be a lot and Kerry does such a great job of talking about all of it and he's got great energy he's a funny dude he yeah. likes to have a good time i think that i think that he's a great add to the the opening drive with Randy and Brooke and he reminds me of you in the sense of man i am glad that that man is working with young men and young people 
like kind of as one of those teachers. You know what I'm saying? You just know that that guy is great for those kids that he's around. And, man, I I just love to hear that and know that. No, we're uh, we're blessed, man. The radio station is, uh, in my opinion, pretty healthy. And we got a great roster of people. So it's exciting to be on board, at least for another two years. Yeah, absolutely so. Well, there is a lot going on in the world what? of the NHL We're right now. About. Obviously, playoffs getting going. Playoffs. And and one of the things, Mr. Mora, <laughs> that I wanted to uh, to start with is, and we'll talk about the Blues and things, but if you are a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, Jamie, how do you even... Because because that aura of you not making it out of the first round is, I mean, it's the story. And you lose the first game, and not only do you lose, but you get waxed by the Lightning. Who are the Lightning, by the way, dude? Yeah. Like, if you are a Maple Leaf or a Maple Leaf fan or in that front office, how in the hell are you looking at this without driving yourself absolutely sick? Well, one thing that you did as a general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, is you went and got people who can calm your locker room down. Ryan O'Reilly. You got Ryan O'Reilly, uh, you know, Noel Achari is another guy. Like, we we forget Noel Achari a little bit because he didn't win the Stanley Cup, but, boy, he was right there in Game 7 against the St. Louis Blues in 2019. So he knows what it takes to get to the ultimate dance, which is the finals. you got to have short memories. The playoffs is all about short memories. Mm-hmm. And you know, even when you win, like John Cooper's strategy, his challenge now is we can't get too excited about this. We we can't celebrate one victory. It takes four to win a series, and it takes four series to win a cup. Mm-hmm. So you can't get out you know, and, and be too proud of yourself right away. Uh, that being said, this is where Tampa has the advantage because they've got a roster just littered with guys who have been there, done that. Yeah. I mean, even wily old veterans like Corey Perry has been there, done that, albeit with a different team, but it doesn't matter. The game never changed. And he was just in the Stanley Cup final a couple years ago with the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Like, Corey Perry is a great example of a guy. He reminds me of a Ryan O'Reilly, not in style of play, certainly, but the ability to drag guys into the battle with him. Mm -hmm. So Ryan O'Reilly has a... uh, has a big task ahead of him right now. And the lack of playing time for him due to injury could hurt that process in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Because Ryan O'Reilly, every day at practice, every day at games, every day in the weight room, doing his thing, that rubs off on guys. That creates this bond with your teammates. He hasn't been able to do that. Now, he's been back for a little bit, but mm-hmm. he missed a big gap there. So it's almost like he's playing catch-up, you sure. know? Uh, so we'll see. You have to have a, a very short-term memory when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Toronto Maple Leafs, right now, they're feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders. The one thing that concerns me is that, like, Matthews and Marner are, uh, like, wearing invisible jerseys out there. And your best play this is the time where your best players got to be your best players. I know that's a dumb thing to say, but, I mean, it's no. the truth. Uh, every team has to have your guys step up. And I'm just concerned for that team because those guys don't, well, they haven't been able to elevate yet in mm-hmm. their young careers. So if you are, obviously, you know, it kind of goes every year that the team that wins the President's Trophy don't have a really great run of making it to the finals and winning the Cup. But boy, oh boy, this Boston Bruins team seems different than those other teams. If you're playing the Bruins, and I know that Florida got one, 
How are you going to beat them? How are you going to beat them in a series? Because, damn, dude, they are stacked. I'm dragging them out into the alley for a street fight. That's exactly what I'm doing if I'm the Florida Panthers, and that's exactly what they did last night. A hundred percent. They took this thing out of the ring and into the streets because the Boston Bruins are talented. They've got some big, burly guys, too, that'll answer the bell. But look towards the end of that game. That's all they were thinking about was trying to get even with guys. Mm Mm-hmm. You win, man. Matthew Kachuk is lodged in their heads. Uh, Lomberg is lodged in there. Gudis is in there. Like, all these guys who can handle themselves just fine are creating havoc for the Bruins. And the Bruins, this is the, in my opinion, this was the worst-case scenario for the Bruins, playing the Florida Panthers, because the Panthers have enough talent to score some goals and enough grit to make it miserable for you. So if they if they but the Bruins would have played Tampa, I almost feel like the Bruins just out talent them. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds crazy because it's Tampa Bay, but they just outplay them. Tampa's not necessarily going to drag it into the streets like the Florida Panthers have. And if they play the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins probably just hammer them in four or five games just because they're so much better and deeper as a roster. So although Florida is the underdog in this one, this to me was the worst-case scenario, and now they're even up at one game each, headed back to Florida. Now Florida has home ice advantage. Boy, and and, and it's just like when you start to give the other team just any sort of reason for hope and to believe in themselves, that's a real dangerous sort of game, If even if you are the Boston Bruins, right? But this is why the short memory has to come in. This is why Jim Montgomery is going to be so important to the Boston Bruins. He's been there, done that. Now, I know he didn't win a Stanley Cup, but he did bring the Blues to a Game 7 to double overtime, and darn near won it. And he's also been around this team following the Stanley Cup championship. He knows, and he's won he, he won the Division One title, NCAA. He won the USHL title. He's a, he's a lot like a John Cooper as far as his resume of winning is concerned, and he's got the player's background to go with it. This is where Monty's going to have to dive into his fountain of knowledge and help this team. Well, you know, one of the one of the things that's been said a bunch throughout the course of the year uh, about that Boston team is Montgomery com- coming over, being the head coach. Jamie, what is, what is it about a guy like Jim Montgomery? What is it about John Cooper that make them such good coaches and make star play- You know, I mean, because, man, you got a lot of egos in that locker room. you got a lot of guys making a lot of money. But, boy, with both of those teams, it legitimately seems to be about the team and not yeah. one player. So what both of those guys have going for them is the ability to get buy-in from the players. And it's one thing to have X's and O's and be like a super smart head coach. But if you can't communicate with your players properly, if you're not somebody who the players – feel like they're on a level playing field for conversation, for you know suggestions, maybe thoughts on things, then sometimes it backfires. And so what John Cooper does is he gets the players to trust him. And he surrounds himself with really smart hockey minds. And John Cooper is a very intelligent hockey guy too. But the head coach is got to be a you know part-time psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever you want to call it too, at the same time. Yeah. And that's where Coop does a really good job of, you know, gathering these guys, bringing them together with one sole purpose in which to win the Stanley Cup. Monty's a lot the same way. Monty knows that every team has groups of players, cliques, okay? But cliques is a bad word. We, we look at cliques and we think nastiness, right? But it's not like it's groups of players. You've got your younger players, your older players, your Russian players, your Swedish guys, mm-hmm. and they all migrate to their own little groups, 
So how do you get all these little groups together to form one big one? And that's where Monty's really good at that, is he communicates openly with these guys, has these little text chains that he has, and, and then he'll drag other people into the text chain. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you've got eight, nine, ten guys hanging out instead of three or four. Mm-hmm. And so then he gets the buy-in. And Monty was a role player, okay, uh, in his career. One, he was one of the most decorated college players ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played with Paul Correa, and they were incredible. At Maine. At Maine, University of Maine. Mm-hmm. They were incredible. Monty came here to St. Louis, drafted by the Blues. I was here with Monty. He was a really skilled player, but he was small in an era where they were looking for oak trees. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't fast enough to kind of be that guy who could, you know, find his way. And so he bounced around a little bit. But still, a guy like that, a role player, and I can tell you from my own experience, Craig Bruby's another one, Steve Ott's another one. Like, when you think of guys that were role players— they're usually great coaches. Mm-hmm. Reason being is, one, in the locker rooms that they played in, they always had to bring guys together. They were the energy. They were the you know, the laughter. They were the funny guy. They were like, whatever it is, they were a, the glue guy mm-hmm. bringing guys together. And they also had to know the systems inside and out because if they made a mistake, and I can tell you from experience, if I made a mistake, I sat on the bench mm-hmm. or in the press box. So you better know your stuff. You better know what you're doing. And so then you you're able to coach it because you've simplified it for yourself in your brain, and now you can coach it. And at the same time as you're coaching it, you're bringing guys together because you're the energy guy, the glue guy, the funny guy, the smart ass, whatever it is. And that's what Coop and Monty have going for themselves too is they're very relatable and, and the players really like them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it seems like Coach Berube has some of those same characteristics. Oh, 100%. I mean, not to put them in the league as those two guys. I mean, but he is because he's, he's a Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup winner, absolutely. Yeah. But um, just very curious about that. We've got more of the Last Minute Blues podcast coming your way in just a minute. But want to thank one of our sponsors of the Last Minute Blues podcast, and that is Crestwood Dental Group. Dr. James Maxwell, uh, he is uh, my family's dentist, my dad, uh, my brother, the kiddos, Mary, myself. We all love Dr. Maxwell. And we've been going there for a handful of years now, and it's just nice to know that my kids and their oral health is is always going to be monitored, always going to be uh, top of mind for Dr. Maxwell. Uh, they have braces right now. Dr. Maxwell and the and the staff are the first ones to say, hey, it looks like we need braces here. But they've been, you know, keeping up with the kids along with the orthodontist visits, and my kids' smiles are going to be lights out. Listen, Dr. Maxwell and his team are going to take as great care of you as they do for me and my family. I can promise you that. Check out CrestwoodDental.com or give them a call at 314-820-0909. That's 314-820-0909. It's Crestwood Dental Group, Dr. James Maxwell. Now back to the Last Minute Blues podcast. So one of the things that I did this morning, because I'm a complete and total nerd, uh, is that I watched the entire Doug Armstrong post-season, or uh, end-of-season presser. Well, that's like 43 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. But like, and I was only going to watch a little, but then I, it just kept going. It's riveting. Um, I, okay, listen, I know that just I'm a- out with it, Donnie. It's I therapeutic. Know, it's good. I, I'm a worry guy, and I understand that. And seeing our general manager say to us, hey, listen, I know that we need to work on relating to younger players, and that's going to be one of my big jobs this summer, blah, blah, blah. I get that. One of the things, Jamie, though, man, that is that just still bothers the hell out of me and worries me going forward is how many times in that press conference he talked about how the standard 
had fallen back so far this year that they've got to get back to it. And I, I'm, it just worries me to hear him say that so many times when there are guys that are still here that know what it takes to, to win. And it, man, dude, it's really, really troublesome to me that, that, that he is in that spot. And I don't know, man. I, I'm just worried about it going forward. You know, I mean, okay. because, like, what if we can't reach those those younger players? What if there's a million what ifs, but it just, there's just something very unsettling about it to me. See, I'm happy about it. Good. I'm happy about it. Tell because, me why. Well, because at least you've identified the problem. Mm-hmm. A lot of times general managers won't identify the problem or they can't and then this just continues to spiral so if army and the coaching staff and everybody else involved agree that hey we've found the source of the problem is we got to get back to basics then that makes me optimistic now the fact that the 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 standard has you know kind of slipped a little bit dude that's life think of yourself yeah you know i know you're what you're look you're one of the hardest working guys i know but every now and then you go through a stretch where you're just not you personally, but just you as an individual. You're not dotting the I's. You're not crossing yeah, the T's. Sure. Maybe you're not taking care of yourself as good as you should have. Maybe you're not getting as much sleep. And it just starts to slide a little bit. And then you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to get back to what I was doing. This is no different. So you had a group of individuals, a culture in that locker room that had ultimate success in 2019. Great success the following year before. The bubble kind of ruined all that, but they still had a fantastic season. And then you started to lose pieces of your core. That always changes the dynamic of the room a little bit. There needs to be an adjustment at that point because you've lost a valuable piece. It doesn't mean you can't continue to play well, can't function, can't battle through it. That's not what I'm saying. It's an individual that had a very large part in your locker room that is no longer there. How do you fill the void? It'd be like taking a brick away from a house. The wall's not going to fall down, but... The more bricks you take down, eventually the wall starts to wobble a little bit here, okay? right. You got to find another brick that fits. And sometimes that's uh, a harder task than expected. And so I think that Army identifying that things have kind of gotten out of whack and, and realizing what he needs to add to that locker room or what the guys who are in there currently have to do or some of the younger guys have to step up and become that brick rather than just be a passenger on this thing, I think that I think it's fine. Um, I do feel like the Tarasenko thing lasted too long. I feel like that created an awkward, uh, not divide, I'm not going to use that word, but an awkward situation. And then the, the, the looming possibility of O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Barbashev, all those guys being traded yeah. and like that starts to weigh on you. So every time you get into a two or three game losing streak, you're like, oh boy, is this when they're going to start to you know, just liquidate or, or what's going to happen. Why? Right. Did they... So I think with all those things having been determined now and this group, primarily what you're looking at the end of the season is what you're moving forward with. Mm-hmm. Now you can add a piece here or there. I'm okay with it. Yeah. But you have to make sure that you do actually reset on this one. So the players, the coaching staff, like from day one here, and in fact, right from now, like holding guys accountable to their off-season workouts, not just letting it slide. And it's when you have success, the training staff, everybody just assumes we're all doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, he says he's doing it right. 
says he's following this. He says he's working on this. He says he's healthy. You know, whatever. I have to believe him because the last time I saw him, he was in great shape or he was doing this. He was working hard. Now it's going to be like, no, flying guys in once a month. And other guys, like I said yesterday on the show, if I'm Jordan Cairo, I go away for about three, four weeks right now, and then I'm back for good the rest of the summer. And, and just be here every day, every day working. Yeah, in the gym uh, with the you know the, the proper amount of time, not just every day just working aimlessly. Mm-hmm. Listen to your trainers, listen to your, the nutritionist, and then also get on the ice, work on some skills. Get in the video room and start to work on video. Like if I'm a coach, for me, if I'm a coach – I challenge the players. So what I would do is I would send a number of video clips to Jordan Cairo, not even just of himself, random clips, even from around the NHL. And then I'd say, hey, we're going to meet on Friday. Let's say it's Monday. Here's the videos. We're going to meet on Friday morning. Okay. We're going to break down everything you see in these clips. So bring a notepad, do whatever you got to do, do your homework. What that does is that forces Jordan Cairo now to go home and think like a coach. If he's going to break down plays, if he's going to notice the mistakes or even the positives or what guys are doing, his stick is not in the lane. He didn't finish his check. He didn't. Now you know as a coach, okay, he's intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sees it. He Mm -hmm. knows it. Now, the next week, here's a package of your clips, and you mix in good and bad clips to see if he can now differentiate between good plays and bad plays. Monday, get the video. Friday, we get back into the video room, and you're going to break it down. You're the coach. You're going to tell me what you're seeing. And now you can tell if, because now you know he can identify good and bad plays, but can he identify his own good and bad plays? Mm -hmm. So that's the next step. So now he gets in there, gets the video room. Hopefully he passes everything with flying colors. And now then as a coach, the next week you give him video and you tell him that together you're going to go over it on Friday. And then you start to build this relationship of you know praise and correction and praise and correction. It, that- it, it, it's amazing to me, man, as I'm listening to you talk about this because I get so frustrated with some of the younger players, Jordan Cairo. I mean, these are and, just things I would do. But, but I'm not saying coaches do. I, this is what I would do as a coach. Yeah, but but as you're explaining this to me, and whether it be one way or the other, this is just, dude, it's just a maturation process of an individual. Like, yeah. like it, well, he's 24 years old, right? Donnie. Everybody <laughs> thinks that, like, go back and look at Vladimir Tarasenko's first two years. One, Jordan Cairo outscored him. Yep. Okay. Two, Vladimir Tarasenko was a bit of a nightmare defensively, but he had a very strong defensive core around him. Mm-hmm. Checking guys. Ken Hitchcock was a coach. So everybody was back checking, middle of the ice, all this stuff. But what if they didn't? What if you had a weaker team and Vladdy's sitting there at minus 20, minus 25? Do we think the same thing? No, I think that... I think the narrative has been just too strong on Jordan Cairo for a 24-year-old player. Like, I think Vladdy came over at 23 or 24. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but they, and Cairo's been in the league now for four years. Yeah, three and a half. It's amazing how we kind of like when you're when you're when you're wondering why the season went sideways. That instead of the collective group. It just seems like it's focused in on on this kid, and I'm guilty of it as as well. And well, I'm trying to come right? out of it. And I get it. Everybody attaches the dollar amount to the player, but let's not forget that you know he's also your top scorer. Yeah, forty goals, and, and or, he had you know a point a game last year too. 
Like the going rate for those guys in the NHL is exactly what you're paying them. If he gets to 90 or 100 points in his contract, it will be a deal for you then. Yeah, it'll be a bargain. Yeah. It so would... patience. Yeah. Please. I was uh, watching the Rangers game the other night, and, uh, man, it killed me to see Vladdy completely, like, locked in and playing hard well, and starting garbage and, like – are you surprised? No, I'm not. not. You I'm did not it in I'm, 2019. No, I'm not. I'm not surprised about it. It's just that, you know, man, when we would go, when we would go a couple games without seeing 91 or, or, or seeing very much of him, and then when you see him locked in, game on, holy smokes, man, you forget how good of a player that. Well, he is. yeah, and that's the part that gets frustrating too, right? Yeah, especially in the last couple of years where there's been a trade request and then free agency looming and all this stuff. So although the player, the individual, I can't speak to what he was thinking or doing, he may or may not take a game off as far as, like, being involved or giving 100%. He may or may not. I'm not here to comment on that. Don't know. But unfortunately for us, the fan base, we look at it and we assume that. Mm-hmm. We're like, bah, he doesn't care. He doesn't want to be here. Look at it. You can tell. You don't know that. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward to where he's a ranger now. A couple of things. Vladdy wasn't incredible. For, he wasn't incredible for the Rangers following the trade. He was good. He wasn't incredible. Mm-hmm. So he's got work to do. He's got work to do. A couple things. He's got work to do for a contract if he wants to stay a New York Ranger or if he wants to make 7.5 or higher on his next contract. He's got work to do. And he also has work to do to prove to people that he's a clutch player mm-hmm. and bring a championship to the Rangers or at least get them as far as he possibly can. What, what do you what what's the deal for him that you see in the oh, offseason? God, I have no idea. Because when you I said seven, <laughs> when you said seven and a half million, I was like, damn i I wouldn't want the Blues to do that now. I no, well they they won't, and, and they couldn't. And I understand that and they, they yeah, won't financially. They won't be able to. Right, but but it just ah, that is a lot of money, man. I don't see him getting that. Um, but who knows? I'll be. Dead. I wouldn't give it to him. Yeah, not me. Uh, my phone would not be uh, <laughs> dialing his agent. Not, not even at all. How do you? Well, in- no, I wouldn't say not at all. At like three and a half, it would. <laughs> sure, but yeah. but not what he's going to want. What version of Vlad did you get for three and a half million? Oh boy, yeah, that's what concerns me. How do you watch the playoffs? I mean, uh, I know on, on a television. I, I understand that. Damn it, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that. But, like, uh, do you key in on one game? Do you flip around? Do you? Well, but I, I don't assume like you... the way they've staggered them because you can't watch all the games in one night. Um, so that kind of stinks. So I, I isolate the games that I really want to watch. Like tonight would be Toronto, Tampa, um, and then the late game is Vegas, Winnipeg. I believe. Or is it the Ranger, or is it the Edmonton Kings No, that was, yes, that was last night. Okay, okay. So last night I isolated the Panthers, Bruins, and then the Kings and Oilers. Those were my two. Those are kind of the series that I'm locked in on. It is those two on the East and then the other ones. Will uh, will uh, that uh, Kachuk fellow, will he come here in the offseason to do some uh, working out and such? Or will oh, he yeah, keep he has it a on? house here. Yeah, he bought a house here. He'll be back, and... Um, my phone usually starts to ring about June, mm-hmm. and uh, him and Brady always want to get on the ice at, at least once a week, 
and work on things. And, you know, we usually, I map out an area of about 20 feet in front of the net, 20 feet beside the net, and they just, that's where they do all their damage is in close like that. They don't need to skate hard up and down the ice. They do that on their own. Right. They have trainers. They have skating coaches. They have all this stuff. They love to work on game situation in tight and how to get an advantage. And so you look at Matthew Kachuk, that, you know, between the legs, like that one goal that he scores all the time. Unreal. Dude, we work on that all the time. We put that in the middle of drills. I'll shoot a puck off the, like I put a, usually put a little mini net in front of the big net. So act like it's a goalie. And I'll shoot the puck into the net and the rebound will come out. And Matthew, his job then is to take it on the backhand, through the legs, top shelf on the far side. And we'll do it 30, 40 times. And then, you know, there's other ones where they stand literally like in the slot and I'll just fire pucks eight, ten inches off the ice, and they just knock them down with their stick and fire a shot on that. Dude, it, so so when you're you're talking about two of the best players in the NHL, so I'm betting that when you're working with them, you have to get pretty darn nitpicky when you're trying to improve skills or work on skills, right? Well, yeah, and that's why they hire me, though. They respect my opinion. They know what I'm looking at, and when I watch them do it, I'll see little things that can help them to create an advantage for them. And then they implement them. And then you watch it in the games, and they're doing it. It's There's a lot of proud papa moments when you're watching Brady and Matthew. I cannot imagine. But it's only one small piece, mm-hmm. right? So I contribute one small piece to the big picture of their success. But nonetheless, it still feels good when you see them doing things specifically that you have worked on for an entire summer, now two or three, like for years now with these guys, and they implement it, and they have success. And then ultimately, you're watching them just become superstars. It's pretty it's, cool. It's unbelievable, man. It's it's really I, – I, I love both of those guys. I love watching them play. I love that, that, that just – I mean, they just look like the kind of person that you want to punch in the face, but you want them on your team so, so bad. So here's what I'll say. People always ask me, you know, well, what's the difference between, you know, the Kachucks and player X, Y, or Z? The Kachucks don't want to leave the ice. They sit there and they just do drill after drill after drill after drill and rep after rep and they just work and work and they compete with each other. And, you know, we always we create little games where certain amount of goals or certain pucks that you can knock out of the air or whatever, like, and they're always competing. That's what separates them is the animal inside is never full. It's always hungry. God. And that's what separates them. Yeah, man. And it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I love watching them play, because you can tell. Well, thank you very much, my brother, Mr. Jamie Rivers. For uh, Jeff Burton, I'm Donnie Fandango. Thanks for listening to the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.